And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. Click, click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. With me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Spears. And Alex, the NBA Finals are going on right now. We've already done our NBA draft retrospective on the Suns and how did they get here. And I thought it'd be pretty fun to take a look at the Bucks. And just figure out how did they form this team? How did they come together? Many of you may know this, but I didn't realize, Alex, that the Bucks formed the foundation of their team in one month. Did you realize wow. that? I did not. Explain. Back in 2013, the NBA draft occurred on June 27th. It was one of just one of the more pitiful drafts that the NBA has held in a long time. Oh, (laughs) man. Here's the top five. Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, which is good. Don't clown at Victor Oladipo. Otto Porter, nice player. Not not Mm -hmm. great for your top five, but Cody Zeller, Alex Lynn. That's your top five. That's who everybody thought was the best. Uh, And they were wrong because everybody's always wrong about the NBA draft and who's going to be good and who's not. but the Bucks chose Giannis at 15 in this draft. This is well chronicled. I looked all over the internet just for takes on what people thought about this pick. And everybody was fair and balanced with this. Everybody recognized that this was a risk for the Bucks, but that it had a high reward. Because this is the youngest guy in the draft. He's got this really unusual skill set. Uh, John Hammond, after the draft, said he loves the game. He has a great smile and a great skill set. And John Hammond was right. He has <laughs> all, all of true. those things. <laughs> uh, he also said if it was about need and being safe, we would have taken a backcourt player with like a Dennis Schroeder or somebody like that. But this was about taking the best player on the board. And boy, was he right. He was also right about something else. 33 days later, they had Brandon Jennings sitting on their roster as a restricted free agent. And free agency starts, Brandon Jennings, who had a pretty nice start to his career. He had that 55-point game within just like a couple weeks of being in the league, so everybody had big expectations. Well, he shot like 15 shots per game. He was under 40% that year. Things did not go well for Brandon Jennings in his final year with the Bucks, to the point where he thought that he was going to have to take the qualifying offer and return to the Bucks and go just be a completely unrestricted free agent the following year. And then the Pistons call. 
So the Pistons call, and the, the Pistons were gearing up for a big year for them. They had just brought Chauncey Billups back. They were going forward with the Andre Drummond-Greg Monroe pairing. They had just signed Josh Smith. So they were really trying to bolster their roster, and they thought swapping point guards would help them. So the Pistons call, and they offer Brandon Knight and just a couple throw-ins, Al. That's all. Chris Middleton and then... Vyacheslav Kravstas. I don't. That's not right. I don't know how to say his name. I don't even know who he is. But he was a throw-in, and I, Alex, this that was the trade. That was it. Sign and trade. Brandon Jennings, and they thought it was really just Brandon Jennings for Brandon Knight, and they didn't know. Chris Middleton was a throw-in. I scoured the internet for takes for this too, just to see if there was some NBA smart guy that would know that Chris Middleton would be good. And the closest I got was Dan Feldman saying that Middleton could be a backup forward. That's the closest I got to a take on him. Everybody else was just like, yeah, he averaged six points off the bench as a rookie. Nobody really knows what he is. Uh, Which was fair. I mean, he was, it was very he was, fair. He was a Listen throw to this. in. He, there could have been, and what's, what's like kind of cool and also terrifying for bu- the Bucks, like, in retrospect, is like they could have had many different throw-ins. They could have thrown in Austin Day. They could have thrown in Kim English. They could have thrown in Kyle Singler. But I would bet you, Alex, that Kyle hmm. Singler probably wasn't even available. Because did you know, the season prior, Kyle Singler played the third most minutes on the Pistons, where they would have just probably said, no, we cannot throw in he, Kyle he Singler. A, and we'll give you Chris Middleton. He was a keeper. He was a keeper. He was. And even, so honestly, even because yeah. uh, Austin Day, I feel like Austin Day was even thought of as higher. Sure. Yeah, he probably was at the time. And so there you go. In one month, the Bucks formed their foundation and they had a really bad year that next year to the point where you thought, okay, there another foundational piece is coming. And... They ended up with one of the worst records in the league. They got the second pick in the draft, and they got Jabari Parker. And this was thought to be the piece for them. And here's what ESPN said about Jabari the night. This was a write-up from Chad Ford. I'm happy for the Bucks, and I'm happy for Jabari. This is the guy the Bucks wanted at number one, and this is the... the and this is the team Jabari wanted to go to. The Bucks needed a franchise type of player to build around. Parker is that guy. He wanted a team that would build around him and that would treat him as a focal point of a team. The Bucks will do that. Milwaukee wanted an alpha dog score and a leader in the locker room. Parker can do both. The Bucks will make him a stretch power forward, I think. Ultimately, that's a position he'll thrive at. I think Dante Exa may have more upside, but the Bucks had to go with the sure thing. And they got him. Oh, he was, he almost felt like more of a sure thing than Andrew Wiggins at the time. I almost feel like oh, Andrew yeah. Wiggins, the, the take on him was like, oh, the upside here is just like so amazing. So you can't pass it up. But admittedly, he does fade in and out of games at Kansas. Whereas like Jabari Parker, it felt so much like a sure thing. That like you, you can't pass him up, especially compared to obviously Embiid had the injury in the pre draft process. So it seemed like such an obvious pick. Everyone likely would have done that pick. <laughs> I know. So they had like a chance to add like even more to the foundation of their team that they had just newly acquired and really even didn't even know that they had it yet. Uh, and they thought really Jabari was going to be the headliner. And 
that's that's where you just kind of look at the draft, and every, there's a lot of draft takes going on right now about Cade Cunningham, about different trades that could happen, about these. This is a four-player draft, and I would just maybe rewind, you know, a minute and listen to that again because that's what that was consensus on Jabari. I read a lot of stuff on Jabari uh, in preparation for this, and this was this was about the best like way to put a bow on that pick was everybody thought the Bucks got their superstar. And it just shows you like how little we actually know on draft night about who these guys are going to be and what they can do. Uh, I also just wanted to go through the rest of the kind of their draft history because it's kind of, it's, it's rough and it's a lot of it's because of where they were picking, you know, they pick 17th three times from 2015 to 2018, which is kind of random. Uh, but they took Rashad Vaughn in 2015. They didn't really miss on anybody. They would have gotten like DeLon, right? Bobby Portis was picked in that draft later. They got him anyways. Uh, Tyus Jones, Larry Nance, like meh, like whatever. Throw that away. In 2016, another rough season for the Bucks. This was another chance at a lottery pick. They selected Thon McCur. Maker? McCur? I don't know McCur- how we're supposed McCur- to say it. They were, and- they were trying to go for like the, the home run again. Double this was Giannis. Yes, this was Giannis swing again, uh, and Sabonis was picked just one pick later. And you can question like the Giannis Sabonis fit all you want, but that's still a swing and a miss. And if honestly, if you're the Bucks and you say, "Hey, in the next what is it like three years, we're going to take a swing at two you know guys in the top fifteen, and you connect on one, then you're like you're in the money." So I'm not even trying to criticize them. But it's just another place that could have added. And then, really, 2017, there were so many really good guys in like the 17 to 30 range. Uh, they took DJ Wilson at 17 when like John Collins, Jared Allen, OG, Kuzma, Derek White, Josh Hart were all in that range as well. Uh, again, like you can't criticize people for picking at 17. I know, like the draft is a complete crapshoot. And then 2018, they got Dante DiVincenzo, which they, I mean, you watched that game last night out. Like they miss him desperately. Like oh, they could was, have really used him. Yeah, he was a great pick, and he would be helping a lot right now, just yeah. to have somebody else out there who just, you trust. Because I feel like he'd yes. be getting a lot of those Bryn Forbes minutes, most likely. He get all of them. <laughs> he get yeah. all of them. He would have all of them. All the Jeff Teague minutes would be poof gone. Like how many Bucks fans would love to just see both of those guys just sitting down the whole time? They would love it. Uh, that 2018 draft was super interesting. There were so many useful wings in that range with DiVincenzo. I wouldn't say that they picked the wrong guy. I think they picked the right guy. But Kevin Herter, Lonnie Walker, Josh Okoji, Grayson Allen, Landry Shamit were all in that range, which is pretty wild. Like Those are lots of useful players right there in that draft. I thought that was pretty cool. But then, obviously, they've, they've acquired Drew Holiday, which has been a big deal for them. Uh, they got Brooke Lopez on a really cheap deal and been able to keep him throughout the years. So... Lots of stuff went into this, but the foundation of this Bucks team that we're watching in the NBA Finals was formed in just this month span back in the summer of 2013. I just found that to be very interesting. You know, I looked up the other guy who was in that trade, Krofstov, that you, yeah. you mentioned. He actually played 45 games in the NBA. Would you believe that? <laughs> and he was he played for uh, the Pistons and the Suns, so he's probably rooting for his uh, his franchise. You know, there you the go. Suns. There you go. Um, well, I also want to talk about the Bucks 
today because I, uh, I find the conversation around this team to be very interesting because usually when people complain about NBA coverage, it's that the media focuses too much on narratives and not enough on the actual basketball. And there have certainly been some narrative-driven conversations about the Bucks over the years. But I also feel like this team's X's and O's get dissected and discussed more than any other team in the league. Like, I think the only yes. other team that would contend with them would maybe be the Daryl Morey Rockets, where, like, the average fan has a general knowledge of that team's X's and O's because we talk about it so much. How many casual fans have said the, said the phrase drop coverage this week? Yeah, well... I honestly, personally, I can say that I've learned so much about pick and roll coverages over the last couple of years directly as a result of listening to people talk about the Bucks. <laughs> That's so true. And it's weird. And it happens for a variety of reasons. We love talking about the Bucks game plans and adjustments more than any other team. And yeah. while I think this focus on X's and O's about the Bucks has ultimately been good, the downside is that once we get to the playoffs, the default reaction now of most NBA fans when things are going poorly for the Bucks is to blame the X's and O's, which means blaming Coach Bud. You know, why doesn't he adjust? Why won't he switch? Why is he switching? Are they switching? Why hasn't he come up with a new way to defend pick and rolls? <laughs> yeah. I'm not here, Andrew, to defend Coach Bud. He frustrates me just as much as he frustrates you. But there is something happening in these playoffs to the Bucks. That is so much more important, so much more impactful to their playoff run. And it needs to be the first thing we talk about until it is not the case. And that is their three-point shooting. We had a trivia question about this a few weeks ago because the drop-off in the Bucks' three-point shooting from the regular season to the playoffs had been so dramatic up until that point. And that is still the yep. case. And so it made me wonder just how rare is this type of a drop-off in three-point shooting in NBA history? So I went to NBA.com backslash stats and looked at every finals team over the last 25 years, as far back as they'll let you go. 50 teams in total. I compared every team's regular season three-point percentage to their playoff three-point percentage. Now, as a baseline, this year's Milwaukee Bucks team shot 38.9% from three in the regular season. They're currently shooting 31.7% in the playoffs, a drop of 7.2 points. Looking at it another way, that's an 18.5% decrease in their three-point percentage from the regular season to wow. the playoffs. Has that happened before? Well, among teams that actually won the NBA championship, no. The worst drop-off in three-point percentage among NBA champions was, would you believe it, Andrew, the 1997 Chicago Bulls oh. 25 years ago, who went from 37.3% in the regular season to 31.9% in the playoffs, a difference of 5.4 percentage points or a 14.5% decrease. Now, in total, there's only been five NBA Finals teams that have seen their three-point percentage drop by five or more points from the regular season to the playoffs. They are the 97 Bulls, who I just mentioned, the 99 Knicks, the 02 Nets, the 06 Mavs, and this year's Bucks team. Of those, the worst offender was the 1999 Knicks, who went from 35.3% in the regular season to 28.1% in the playoffs. A difference of 7.2 points and a 20.4% decrease, which is actually worse than this year's Bucks. Wow. So you so you might say, yes, it's been bad for the Bucks, but it's not like they're the worst of all time, okay? Wrong, Andrew! How dare you think that? Because back in 1999, 
the Knicks in the regular season made 4.23s per game. I was going to say, it can't be many. <laughs> so that that massive drop that I just talked about in their three-point percentage from the regular season to the playoffs, it cost them one made three per game. They made 3.2 in the playoffs. So they missed out on three points total if they had just shot their average from three. Not great, but also, who, who really cares? Now, yeah. compare that to the Bucks, who in the regular season made 14.43s per game and are currently making 11.4 in the playoffs. That's a difference of three three-pointers per game. In other words, if the Bucks were just shooting average from three-point land, they'd be averaging nine more points per game just from three-point shooting alone. And even if you take into account the difference in scoring rate from 1999 to 2021, when scoring went from 92 points per game to 112 points per game, the Bucks drop-off is still much more significant than the Knicks. So what's the point of telling you all this? Well, the point is that you can still have your issues with Coach Bud. He still does weird things, okay? He still makes goofy faces where it seems like he's both in shock but also doesn't know why he's in shock. But until the Bucks start hitting their shots in this playoffs, I'm not sure any of that matters because we're we're witnessing the most significant drop-off in three-point shooting in NBA history among teams that have made it this far at a time Mm -hmm. when the three-point shot is more important than ever before. So while it may seem reductive and may way more boring than just blaming Coach Bud, the reality is that the Bucks just need to make some shots. Please. <laughs> I could not agree more. It's just so funny. We we write these narratives, like we see Coach Monty Williams like talking so calmly with DeAndre Ayton, and we're just like, man, what a glorious coach. What a great man. If they're losing that game, let's say the Bucks are hitting their normal amount of threes and Giannis is dominating, and they're winning this game, we'd be like, why is he so calm? You know, like, this is insane. <laughs> right. that You know, you know. I mean, it's, it's just wild to me that a lot of it does come down to shot making. And you look at the way that Middleton and Drew Holiday have just performed this postseason. It's almost, like, miraculous that they've even reached the NBA Finals. Well, honestly, my big takeaway from doing all this is actually being more impressed with the Bucks that they've gotten this far. <laughs> I well, know, I when know. something that is so important to their success over these last couple of years has basically just vanished. Yep. And they've still been able to get this far. And, you know, you just hope for their sake when they get back home, maybe it's Chris Middleton, maybe hopefully it's Drew Holiday. Some of these, you yeah. know, guys in the rotation can just have a hot shooting night. So we can see what it looks like when the Bucks are on fire. Because when they are hitting their shots, they're a much more different team aesthetically to watch. Because when they're not making them, yeah. it's pretty ugly. Yeah, that goes for every team, too. And they have just true. had quite an ugly run. They have been one of the most difficult watches in the NBA playoffs. But I still believe in them. Like I still believe that there's a champion in there. And it's going to be really difficult because the Suns have played so well. They've moved the ball really well. They're hitting their shots. You know, Devin Booker was unbelievable last night as both as an offensive creator and as a defender. I mean, they they're up against it with this Suns team. They're they're very good, but this Bucks team has another gear and I feel like I've been saying that and expressing that almost the entire playoffs. Is that every time I watch the Bucks, I always feel like they're leaving something on the table and hopefully they can get it in gear and they can figure out how to get it everything clicking all at once. Because if they do, like this could be a series. This, this could go six or seven. If not, this, this could be pretty quick. All right, Andrew, it's now time to celebrate some birthdays. No, it's not. There were no... 
there was not enough birthdays this week, all right? I mean, <laughs> oh, no. Z- Zion had his birthday. That's great. You know, it's a name. But uh, I just couldn't find enough of the other ones. So I've come up with a new game, Andrew, in Ooh, place okay. of birthday party to celebrate the NBA draft, which is occurring in just a couple weeks. I know that you are a big fan of the draft. Uh, I I think it's safe to say for you and me, the draft night is probably our favorite sports event of the year, of the calendar year. So what I did for this game is I'm going to give you three names of basketball players who were all taken at the exact same pick in the draft. You're going to tell me what pick it was. Now, I have a a feeling you'd be very good at this, so I tried to make it a little more difficult without making it too difficult, okay? So, as an example, I'll I'll give you the first one. So, I'm going to give you three names. Jameer Nelson, Bruno Caboclo, Evan Fournier. Hmm. So, you can probably get in the range. Is this 20? Oh, wow, that is correct. Pick 20, Andrew, wow. That was impressive. So that sound, that seems like I, I, I gauged it correctly. That was def- difficult, but you're still going to get it. Okay. Next, Jalen Rose, Richard Jefferson, Tabo Cephalosha. Is this 14? Oh, 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 Andrew, so close. It was pick 13. So you <laughs> no. get it wrong. <laughs> a great attempt, though. A great attempt. Uh, next one, Anthony Simons. Tim Hardaway Jr., Kyle Lowry. I think this is 24. Andrew, that is correct. Wow. Pick 24. All right, two more. Next one, Nikola Vucevic, James Johnson, Hito Turgaloo. There's some Magic fans out there just screaming at you right now. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) Although I guess he wasn't, he wasn't drafted, he was drafted by the Sixers actually though. Wasn't yeah, he was Sixers. He was in the Dwight trade. Well, maybe there's some Magic fans um, who don't know. Maybe this is news to them. I believe that he was taken right after Kawhi. Vooch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kawhi was that 15th pick. Um, so 16. Andrew, that is correct again. You are three and one. Can you make it four and one? The final one, Richard Hamilton. Kirk Heinrich, Luol Deng. Okay. Um, Wade was five, and I know he was after Wade. I can't remember if he was the pick right after him or not. I know that he was in that range. I'll say six. Pick number six to go four and one in the inaugural edition of Draft Party. That is... Incorrect. No. What was it, it? It was pick seven, Andrew. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. That hurts. Man, overall, though, if you look at it, you were off by a total of two picks. Wow. For all five. That's pretty good. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Al, for draft party. Oh, man, I love the draft. I cannot wait for the draft. Uh, something else I cannot wait for is our next guest. It is a legend, it's a Hall of Famer. David Aldridge, right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'd like to welcome NBA media legend and Hall of Famer David Aldridge to the show. DA, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great. Really glad to have you on. We're going to talk NBA Finals. Uh, right now, the Bucks are down 0-2 to the Suns. Uh, what adjustments are you looking for from the Bucks, And are there any significant adjustments that can be made just beyond making shots? Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can overthink this and think there's some magic bullet out there. You know, Drew Holiday shooting 31% from the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, Mills is shooting 41% from the floor. They got to make some shots, point blank. I mean, that's it. Giannis is shooting 64% from the floor. Okay, so and even though he's only shooting 60 from the line, he's averaging 15 attempts a game. Hmm. You know, when you when a guy gets 15 attempts a game, that means the defense gets set up, you know, multiple times, you know, can doesn't they should be getting more stops. They should be getting Phoenix into more foul trouble. But that only comes when the other guys make shots. I mean, you know, those are two Olympians. Those guys are the Olympic team for a reason. Yep. So you know, they're, they are counted on to be the, the number two and number three guys. And sometimes the number one and number two guys, as we saw in the Eastern conference finals after Giannis got hurt. So they just got to make shots. I suspect they will at home. I think people always play better at home. So I think they'll both play better. And I think, you know, Phoenix is playing awfully well right now. Um, You have to see them do this in a, in a finals game. Uh, with all of the itinerant pressure that's on in a finals game. Um, it doesn't mean they haven't done it before. I know they've played extremely well um, and they're a very confident group and they should be. Um, but you still got to win. I, I think you still are going to have to win one in Milwaukee uh, mm-hmm. before I take before I take Milwaukee off life support and say they have no chance. If the uh, if the Suns do go on to win the series, one of the biggest legacy discussions will be Chris Paul's place among the great point guards of all time. And one of the yeah. names that he will inevitably be compared to historically is Isaiah Thomas. Now, I'm not yeah. going to ask you to compare them, but I am interested in hearing mm-hmm. from someone who was there for Isaiah's yeah. peak. What would you say to younger NBA fans about Isaiah? Because it seems like he is one of the more underrated NBA greats. It's criminally underrated. Um, Isaiah was great. He was a great player. He was a great leader. He was one of the toughest competitors I've ever seen um, did does not get his due um, for a lot of different reasons, but he was look, Chris Paul is an incredible point guard. He's going to the hall of fame, but I, I think I say it was better. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. I think Isaiah is a better point guard. He was a better scorer. Um, he could get to the cup. He could get to the rim. He had, he could shoot the three. Um, anybody who saw him score 16 points in, 94 seconds in the playoffs in 1984 when three-pointer was not a big part of the NBA um, tells you what he did, uh, what he could do in a pressure situation. Uh, one, two chips. 
should have been on the Olympic team. We all understand he was, he should have been on that team. Um, so should have been on two Olympic teams and people forget he was on the 80 Olympic team. The 80 Olympic team did not participate because of the boycott, the U.S. Right. boycott. So Isaiah Thomas should have been on two Olympic teams. So that's how great he was. Won a national championship at, at Indiana. One of the best players ever, period. Yeah, it seems like when that conversation is brought up, when people are arguing for Chris Paul, a lot of it's based on a statistical comparison that involves those all-NBA selections, even though mm. back then there weren't three teams. And right. there were probably reasons why Isaiah didn't get put on an all-NBA team after 87. Well, there's, you know, I mean, there's there's there was also great, great competition at, at the guard spot. As you mentioned, there, were, there weren't three teams back then. So it was tough. It was just tough to make the team. But again... Recency bias always is at play here. And, you know, I think people who saw Isaiah in his peak and in his prime realize how great he was. He did not put up numbers because he didn't have to on that team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that team was that that was a deep and talented team with Joe Dumars, who's also in the Hall of Fame. Bill Lambert, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Dennis Robin, who is in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, they had a great score off the bench in Vinnie Johnson. They had great scores. Um, in Mark Aguirre and Adrian Dantley, you know, they, he was a floor general back in, the, I mean, back in those days, point guards did not score a lot. They, they moved the ball around. They got other, their teammates involved. Um, they, they, there were some who did, but, but Isaiah, you know, early in his career before the Pistons were good, did put up monster numbers, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I look, he, that's where, People who have to look at stats to make judgments about players, I, I it's difficult for me to take those types of arguments seriously, you know, because it's not about the numbers, because it was a completely different game back then. The rules were completely different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the emphasis on on what shots to take were completely different. So you can't it's apples and oranges when you start saying, well, he made he made six at all NBA teams and he only made three. So the guy who made six is better. It, it doesn't right. mean anything. Out of context, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, last week on Hoops Adjacent, you talked to Mirren Fader, who has this upcoming book about Giannis. Uh, and in your pod, you discuss the ways in which Giannis is treated differently than any mm -hmm. other NBA stars. Uh, seeing him come back from what looked like a gruesome injury and playing as well as he did uh, last night and even in game one, uh, do you get the sense that maybe the conversation around Giannis is ready to change, regardless of whether the Bucks win or lose a series? Well, no, because you got to win, you know, and for all the people who decry rings culture every year, it comes down to, did you win or not? You know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's what we do, you know? Um, and if, it, you know, if it weren't that way, you know, people like Isaiah Thomas would be viewed a lot differently. You know what I mean? So because sure. he only won two championships only in quotes. Right. So um, it, it, he's got to win a ring to kind of escape this. You know, um, it's remarkable what he's doing. I think it's 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 as good as any of the great players that I've seen who have dealt with injuries on this stage and still played at a very high level. Um you know, a hyperextended knee is usually two or three weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and he came back in right. one week and is balling out. I mean, it's 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 a testament to him. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't change how I feel about him. I think he's a great player. I think he's, you know, in our cult in this culture where we tend to look at everything that someone can't do. Um, I 
tend to look at all the things that he does do to help his team win and give his team a chance to win a championship. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think he's, but he's got to win. They have to win the finals for him to be viewed differently by most people, I think. Shifting gears a little bit, this week you wrote an article on The Athletic compiling some of the conversations you've had with team execs, coaches, and other yeah. insiders about the incoming 2021 draft class. And I encourage everyone to go read that article. Was there a player where your opinion of them significantly changed through that process of talking to all these people? Mm. Where maybe a guy that you liked beforehand, but now you're all in on them? Well, that's a good question. Well, we only did, you know, we're only doing, we did guards this week and then we'll do, we'll do wings and then we'll do big. So, you know, it's, it's limited to guards. I guess I, I mean, it's not that I was surprised. I, I was, it was interesting to me that, that people really like Jalen Suggs. I mean, I know that he's going to be a top four pick. I mean, well, or maybe a top two pick. I didn't realize, I mean, the, the, the people that like Jalen Suggs love Jalen Suggs. Like they really are all in, as you mentioned, on him. And that that the strength of their conviction about him was interesting to me. Um, that tells me something, you know, because you know, scouts and, and college coaches and college assistant coaches and head coaches and NBA head coaches and assistant coaches, they tend to be skeptical about people coming into the league, right. you know, because right. they haven't proven anything yet. Um, but the people that I talked to about Jalen Suggs, they were really all in on him. And and not that I, I not that I was surprised, but it was just interesting to me that that the support for him was deeper than maybe I thought it would be. Like they they really love this kid and think he's going to be a special player. Yeah, that's my favorite guy in the draft. <laughs> I love Jalen Suggs. Same as and I have been making some videos uh, about different draft prospects, and yeah, he's without a doubt my favorite guy. Uh, looking ahead to the offseason, is there a team that you're watching? Is there like a most interesting team of this offseason that could maybe make some bigger changes than what people are thinking? Well, you have to start with Philly, right? I mean, we all want to know what's going to happen with Simmons. Are they going to keep him? Or are they going to move him? I mean, that's I think that's the biggest domino. You know, I, I guess it's possible that Chris Paul or, or Kawhi Leonard leaves, but I'd be very surprised if they left the teams that they're on right now. Right. Um, and if they both stay, which I think they both will, um, there's not a ton of kind of impact free agents. There's a few, but there's not as many as there could have been. Um, so, yeah, I would look at Philly first and foremost. Like, what are they going to do? Like, clearly something's really wrong with that group. <laughs> like, something's not working with that group. Um, so do you stay the course? Um, I remember Chris Weber told me many times, he said that the NBA, the people that win NBA championships aren't always the most talented teams, but they tend to be the most stubborn. You know, they just keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Um, and so you wonder if Philly is going to be stubborn and say, no, this is our team. He just has to play better and he will, and we'll help him. Or if they say, we got to, we got to shake things up. That to me is the, they, to me, they are the most fascinating team um, coming in, going into the off season. Yeah. I think it's so interesting with Simmons in particular and the way that front office has continued to kind of change over the years. Like everybody's kind of got their first look at Ben Simmons like, wait, let's just see what he does. Yeah, And that's yeah. happened over right. and over and over again. And now like you have Daryl Morey who's had a season and now he's got his first off season with Simmons. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to see how that unfolds there. Yeah. I mean, I think Daryl, I mean, look, Daryl, Daryl, is not known for, you know, sticking, you know, 
run, running it back. Daryl does not do that. Right, so. right, right. I'd be very exactly. surprised if they ran it back next year with the yep. same group. Um, and, you know, he likes people who can make threes. So, again, I'd be very surprised if this group comes back. The people that didn't make threes. Um, they, now, look, Simmons is different because he's incredibly talented. Uh, a, a great defensive player, a great passer. So he does things at an elite level besides shoot. But that happens to be the thing that Daryl really likes is people that can shoot. Right. So we'll see, I guess. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to test your knowledge in our weekly trivia show, Andrew versus The Beat, where each week Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer, in this case, Hall of Famer David Aldridge. Not really a beat writer, but Hall of Famer way better than a beat writer. And how this is going to work, well, first of all, I should tell you, Andrew started off 0-11-1 in this trivia game. Since then, I have to remind you every week. You tell everybody every week how bad it was. Since then, he has won six in a row. He is now 6-11-1. He's on a hot streak. We'll see what happens this week. So these are all questions about the NBA Finals. How it works, there are eight trivia questions. You'll pick a number between one and eight. That will correspond to a trivia question. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and we'll go back and forth. So to start us off, I just need a number from you, David. Five. Question number five. With his game one performance, Chris Paul joined an exclusive list of old guys scoring a lot of points in the NBA Finals. He is now one of only three players in NBA history who have scored 30 points or more in a Finals game at the age of 36 or older. Who are the other two? Hmm. 
I'm going to say Kareem. Okay. And I'll just pick a name, pick a guy, Jerry West. I don't think it's Jerry West, but I'll pick that. <clears throat> Good guess, but that is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. <clears throat> other two players scored 30 points or more in a finals game, age 36 or older. I'll say Kareem and Tim Duncan. Kareem did it six times. It's a wow. good guess by both of you. And the other correct answer, Tim Duncan. Whoa! Did it in 2013. LeBron, hey. LeBron was very, LeBron was like two months away last year yes. from uh, yes. entering oh, okay. this club. I knew he wasn't 36. So. <laughs> okay, Andrew, it's your time to pick a number. I'll go number one. Question number one. After the 1994 finals, Hakeem Olajuwon auctioned off his championship ring because as a Muslim, he could not wear gold. As a result, what type of medal was his second championship ring in 1995 made out of? Oh, Have to think about all the medals, you know, Andrew. <laughs> Just pick a medal. Uh, it wasn't Sterling gold. silver. Sterling yeah. silver. Wow. No, that is incorrect. <laughs> DA, do you have a guess? What type of medal was Hakeem Olajuwon's second championship ring made out of? I will say pewter. Pewter! What a guess! That is also incorrect. The correct answer was a platinum ring. Platinum ring for Hakeem. Okay, DA, it's back to you. Lucky number seven. Okay, question number seven. Who is the only finals MVP to never make an all-star game. Cedric Maxwell. That is correct for two <laughs> points. <laughs> nice. I have a feeling that was going to be a tough one. All right, Andrew, your turn. Number two. Number two. Okay. <laughs> Which former lottery pick and current farmer is the youngest player to ever win an NBA championship? He is now a farmer. Is Darko Milicic? It is Darko Milicic. That is correct for two yeah. points. Wow. Okay, back to DA. Uh, four. Okay, question number four. There are only three players in NBA history to accomplish the triple MVP, winning the All-Star Game MVP, regular season MVP, and finals MVP all in the same season. Name those three players, and I will give you one point per correct answer. Correct. Jordan's got it. One of them's got to be Jordan. That is correct. That's one point for MJ. So there's two um, other guys who did it. Kobe. That is incorrect. Kobe's Andrew, incorrect. you have a chance to steal. So these okay. are players who accomplished the triple MVP, all-star game MVP, regular season MVP, and finals MVP all in the same season. Larry Bird. Larry Bird is incorrect as well. The other two, Shaquille O'Neal in the year 2000 and Willis Reed in 1970. I've gotten Reed. Okay. All right, Andrew, we have a tie game, three to three. Tie. With only three questions uh, left. Number three. Numero trace. Everyone is familiar with the ongoing battle between the Celtics and the Lakers for all-time championships, currently tied at 17 apiece. But what about the battle for most final series losses? Well, the Lakers might have that wrapped up, making it to the finals and losing 15 times. Which two franchises are tied for second place with six finals losses each? And I will give you one point per correct answer. So these are teams that made it to the finals and lost. And these two franchises both did it six times. 
the Sixers? The Sixers, that is incorrect. <laughs> DA, you have a chance to steal some points here. Mm, let's see. If you can tell me. Finals teams besides the Lakers that have besides lost Lakers. a bunch. Um, I'm going to say the Celtics. Okay, that is a great guess. It's what I would have guessed, but it's wrong. They've only oh. lost four times. Would you believe four? it's wow. the New York Knicks and the Golden State Warriors, also the Philadelphia Warriors and San Francisco Warriors. Warriors. That was going to be my next guess. Damn. Mm. Okay. All right, so it's right. still tied. DA, you have one question left, either number six or number eight. Let's go with it. Snowman, eight. Okay. Among active players... LeBron James leads the league in most finals games played with 55. Who is number two on that list? Active. Active players. J.R. Smith? J.R. Smith. That is incorrect. Oh. No, he is very high up on the list. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Is this Andre Iguodala? It is Andre Iguodala. Because he got he got all the Warriors games and then he went to the the finals with the Heat. Finals with the Heat. Yep. Okay, Andrew, you get the final question, and if you get it wrong, Dia will have a chance to tie, or you could put it away here for your seventh win in a row, Andrew. The question is: There are three players total on the Bucks and Suns rosters who were drafted with the tenth pick. Name those players, and I will give you one point per correct answer. So actually, this one could go a lot of different ways since it's one point per correct answer. And there are so many guys um, in this range for these Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, recent rookie. Yes, that is correct for one point. Can you get one more to put the game out of reach, Andrew? Drafted with the 10th pick. Was Frank the tank? 10th? Frank Kaminsky. Was he the 10th pick? No, he was not. He was a 9th pick. So, oh no, I knew he was right there. This means that there are two guys left that we haven't mentioned. DA, if you get them both, you will get a tie with Andrew. Salvage a tie. Salvage a tie. I'm going to say Brooke Lopez and Sarich. Okay, so Brooke Lopez, that is correct. That's one point. So now it all comes down to Dario Sarich. It always does. Was he drafted number 10? In the 2014 NBA draft, Andrew, he was not. He was drafted 12th overall. It was actually a name that you brought up, DA. It was Mikhail Bridges. Drafted it was Mikael Bridges. Okay, I thought he went after You may have been All thinking right. of Cam Johnson, who was drafted. No, he went on. I knew Cam Johnson. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's now seven weeks in a row for Andrew on Andrew versus the beat. He's getting closer and closer to 500. If I had a cap, I'd tip it to you. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Go read everything DA writes on theathletic.com. We appreciate you. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to David Aldridge for joining the show. Before we go, Alex, I'm going to read a five-star Apple Podcast review. It comes from Mother Buckets. Mm. And the title of this is Alex, Be Nice to Andrew, five stars. It says, I enjoy the Saturday Slam and Jam every week and especially like Andrew versus The Beat. Alex, is it really necessary to show how much de- so, show so much delight when Andrew gets an answer wrong? 
he's such a nice young man, and you weren't raised like that. This, this <laughs> Love mom. This is what I get for uh, suggesting last week that my mom didn't listen to the podcast. She immediately jumped on <laughs> to review the podcast to make sure everyone knew she's listening to every episode. So shout out to my mom, number one fan. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Thanks, Joanne. And thank you for listening to our show. Uh, be sure to listen to all the Athletic NBA shows uh, throughout the week and everything on our network, including No Dunks. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys again next week.